Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. Welcome back to the CCF podcast. We're going to be continuing our For Everyone series by looking now at Matthew chapter 14. Now for this chapter, we're only going to cover one smaller story, and that's the feeding of the 5,000. And we're going to do that largely to set up what happens in chapter 15, which is another similar story, but where Jesus feeds 4,000. Now, sometimes people try to say that these are one event that's just been told from different perspectives, and and it can be easy to to misunderstand what's going on, but, but I think they're two separate events, and I think that there's some things that it's saying about Jesus' ministry by having these events uh, really close to each other, and, and yet just a little bit different. But we're not going to get into those comparisons today. We're just going to tell the first story that happens in Matthew 14. So in in verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So in order to understand um, what Jesus has just heard, you have to go back to the beginning of chapter 14, which it tells about when John the Baptist has been beheaded. Uh, and it recounts that not only has John the Baptist been beheaded, but when Herod hears about the things that Jesus is doing, he, he believes that that Jesus is, is John the Baptist resurrected. Because it sounds like a lot of the same kind of stuff that John the Baptist was doing. Now, it could be when Jesus goes off to a solitary place, he's responding to those words of Herod, that this is John the Baptist resurrected, and he's maybe trying to kind of hide out from Herod because he's not sure what Herod's going to do since he already killed John the Baptist. Maybe he's also going to want to kill the guy who he thinks is now John the Baptist. But I don't think that's the case. I think Jesus is trying to go off into a solitary place because Jesus um, is in mourning. Um, he's just heard re- somewhat recently the news about John the Baptist being beheaded, and I think that's what he's responding to. I've mentioned earlier in the series that, that I believe that John the Baptist was Jesus' rabbi. Um, they were close. They were cousins. Um, but I think John the Baptist was also Jesus' kind of first teacher. A- and so Jesus cares deeply about John the Baptist. And, and I think when he's going off to a solitary place, when he's removing himself from these crowds— that he's simply just wanting some alone time to mourn, to remember John the Baptist and the things that he was taught, and and just to take some time away from everyone else. But we find out in this story that that's not to be the case. Jesus goes by boat to a solitary place, but then it says, Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So Jesus is trying to get away, but he can't. The crowds keep following him. And then it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. 
And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. So we have here, uh, I would say, a, a, a significant miracle that occurs. Now, the thing about miracles is sometimes it's hard for us to, to wrap our heads around what happened. We tend, uh, as, as people from a Western mindset, have grown up with scientific reasoning and logic. And, and so we try to figure out how maybe this looked like something supernatural, miraculous to the crowd, but really was a, a practical thing that happened. Um, and that's not a bad idea, but I just can't think of any possible way to divide up five loaves of bread and, and two fish and end up feeding 5,000 people. That doesn't seem to work out in my head. But the thing about miracles, and, and I do believe that Jesus did a miracle here, but the thing about miracles is, is they're not just meant to wow people or to even um, simply feed people, which is, again, literally what Jesus did here. But usually miracles, when they're performed, when Jesus does them, he does them to communicate something to his disciples. He's wanting to impart them with, with a message, with some kind of teaching. Uh, miracles are not done, again, just as part of a wow factor in order to heal or help people, even though it might do all of those things. It might wow people. It might heal them. It might help them. But Jesus does miracles primarily to teach people. That's why he doesn't heal every single person he encounters. He doesn't feed every single person he encounters. Uh, he, he does for a lot of them. And Jesus genuinely cares and has compassion on people, as it says here in the text. But he's always trying to teach and communicate something. So what is Jesus teaching here? Well, I, I think to figure that out, we have to dig into kind of a murky difficult field um especially again for those of us from a western mindset because the way that jews use numbers is different than the way that we use numbers we we usually use numbers to be factual to express exactly what happened um, if we say that there were five thousand people that were fed that means there were exactly five thousand people if we are talking about five loaves and two fish. It's because that's the amount of food they had at their disposal. But when Jews use numbers, and remember, Matthew is a Jew who is writing to Jews. Numbers represent quality instead of quantity. They're used oftentimes metaphorically to paint a word picture, to kind of communicate something that's happening underneath just the surface of the story. Now, it's very possible, and, and because of the ways that God works and the miracles that he can do, um, this could very well be the exact numbers that were found, the exact amount of things that were present when Jesus did this miracle. He could have had exactly five loaves and exactly two fish and fed 5,000 people plus the women and 5,000 men plus the women and children. But usually when Jews use numbers, they're not looking for exact accuracy. 
that's not as as important of a concern to them as what they can communicate through the use of those numbers. So for example, I'm just going to kind of go through quickly a list of numbers and what they mean significantly in scripture. And often the way that this works is the very first time a number is used in scripture, um, that it, re- it becomes to represent the thing that it's used of. And so the very first time that the number one is used, it's referring to God, God being one, God being solo, God being unique. So the number one, metaphorically, figuratively, comes to represent God. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you see the number one show up that it is representing God. Uh, But that means in a lot of stories and a lot of places, if they use the number one, they're kind of saying God is present here. God is working. God is doing things. The number two is often used to to think about, signify the two tablets of stone that Moses carries down from Mount Sinai, um, which in that way is also expressing it represents the Ten Commandments or the law, as it's often thought of, that Moses brought down the law from Mount Sinai. And so two is sometimes a number that's used metaphorically to represent the law. Three is a number of community. Now, um, us Christians, as opposed to Jews, would think about this being, you know, how the Trinity is is God in community. It's the three persons of God represented together. Um, but but three is a number of of community for for the Jewish mind as well. Um, four is a number that represents the four corners of the earth, which then makes it uh, referred to as a Gentile number. If you think about four instead of just four corners of the earth being the four points on a compass, it kind of expresses uh, north, south, east, and west. In other words, the directions that are not here where I am. And since these are Jews talking about their numbers, the here would generally refer to the promised land, the land of Israel, where the Jews are. Whereas the four directions on the compass reflect the places where the Jews are not. And therefore, four becomes a number that represents the Gentile people. Five uh, represents the books of Moses, the books of Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those first five books um, are are thought of very importantly, very uniquely. They're the, the books of Moses. The number six is the number of sinful man. I'm not going to take all the time to dig into all exactly the reasons why these numbers represent these things. I'm just going to ask you to trust me because I don't want to spend an hour just talking about numbers. Six is the number of sinful man. Seven is the number of completion because there are seven days in creation. Um, Ten is, is a number of complete community because ten is three plus seven. And so it's the number of completion plus the number of community. Three plus seven gets ten. And then twelve is uh, represents the the twelve uh, tribes of Israel. And so you've got the twelve uh, sons of of Jacob who become the nation of of Israel. And so twelve kind of represents the Israelite community. And so those are some of the numbers that that we see there. And so if we apply that kind of those numbers back to where numbers are listed in in this story here, we see um, even more kind of possibly going on. Um, so just bear with me and we'll and we think this through. Where, where do we see these numbers? In verse 17, it says, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. 
And so when Jesus is turning to feed this crowd, he feeds them out of five loaves of bread. Five represents the books of Moses and two fish two represent the two tablets of stone. And so when Jesus is feeding them, what he's feeding them with from this metaphorical numerical perspective are the books of Moses and the law. And so that kind of like talks about he's feeding them with Torah. He's feeding them with the law. He's feeding them with these things that came from Moses as well, which is also significant because um, in Matthew, one of, one of the other things that's happening is Jesus is being painted as the second Moses. And so, of course, when he's going to feed people, he's going to feed people with what Moses gave them, the law and the books of Moses, Torah. So we've got that going on, feeding them with Torah and the law. And then they break apart those things. They give it to all the people, the five loaves and two fish. And and then the disciples distribute them and give it to the people. They all eat and are satisfied. And the disciples pick up 12 basketfuls of pieces. So 12 is a number that represents the, the tribes of Israel. Um, also, location-wise, this is Jesus is nearby the Sea of Galilee. He's in uh, a Jewish region. He's in the region, um, kind of where where the the Pharisees have have landed in Jesus' time, and so it's a very Jewish. They have a very Jewish understanding of things. This crowd is almost entirely made up of of Jewish people, and, and so this is what's going on. And so, so when they pick up these twelve basketfuls, it, there's a way of saying not only is is Jesus feeding the people with the books of Torah and the law. He also has enough leftovers enough is, is there for all of the tribes of Israel. You've got 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And so there's enough to go around for, for Jesus to be able to feed all of Israel with his teaching. Uh, I, I think that's what the numbers are expressing here. And then it says the numbers of those who ate was about 5,000 men. So they've kind of already expressed that there's enough for all of Israel with the number 12, but then he also re-emphasizes there's 5,000 people here. So they kind of use math sometimes when they use these um, numbers to express things. So five, again, Torah can represent kind of Israelites, books of Moses. It's like the people of Torah who are the Jews. And then the number 1,000, it's 10 times 10 times 10. It's another way of expressing, once again, this fullness of community. And just in case you missed it, we're going to multiply that number of the fullness of community three times. And it's going to express to you even more so that the entirety, the complete, fulfilled community of Israel. And so you've got the full, complete community of the people of the of Torah. So this is just saying... Jesus is is here metaphorically and feeding the 5,000 is feeding all of Israel with Torah, with the law. He's being the second Moses. He's giving this to those people. And, th and then there's enough left over that, that it can feed all of the people of Israel. Um, and, and there's even more coming from Jesus and there's his teaching is enough and, and sustaining and it's, it's their food. It's what they need to help them continue on. So 
I think the larger teaching that happens here, using all these kind of numbers and things that are going on, is Jesus is essentially bringing the law to the people. It's it's a retelling of Moses coming down from Mount Sinai and giving the tablets and giving uh, the books of Moses. And Jesus is saying, when you let me interpret the law and trust me with it, there's more than enough for all of God's people. I've got enough food here. I can feed all of you just like Moses did. I'm the second Moses. And so these are kind of the themes that Jesus is bringing up with the feeding of the 5,000. And so there's this really interesting stuff happening with numbers. And and the cool thing then is the way that this story also then gets repeated in the next chapter with the feeding of the 4,000. But there's a couple ways that it's kind of significant. Some of the numbers change a little bit. And not only do the numbers change, but most importantly, I think, the location changes. Instead of being in a Pharisee area, a, a, a predominantly strongly Jewish area, Jesus moves a little bit further down the coast in the Sea of Galilee. And I think he does his next teaching from the Decapolis, which is a Gentile pagan region. But we'll hear about that next time. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.